beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside our special guest host, Jade Black. Jade, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. Um, today, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, this gentleman's name is Manolo Orlana, and uh, he has had many losses over the years and is a member of uh, the Grief Dreams Facebook group. So we're lucky to have him today on the program. He's willing to share about his grief and uh, journey thus far. So Manolo, welcome. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, uh, no problem. Worries. So, wow. This is... um. I, I was just reading your post that you that you had that you posted to the group in I think it was October or November but you know you talked a little bit about some dreams and stuff you had but you did mention that you had lost your father to cancer when you were 14 um, and then in the last two years you had gone through some more tragedy you had lost two of your good friends to overdoses as well as both your dogs passed away and you lost your brother Jamie to a very tragic homicide last year so. Um, no doubt you've been through a lot of trauma, a lot of loss. So we're just curious if you could just touch on, you know, first and foremost, you're losing your father and, and, and what that experience was like at a super young age and, and kind of... It's all kind of been a spiral effect, I think. It's, I mean, you grow up in this kind of household of what I've, like, you know, I mean, I grew up in a, in a household where my mom was working hard, but my dad was never really there. And so I didn't really know him too much, but I knew him enough that he, that he loved me, but he had his issues. Um, okay. Yeah, and then and then as he grew up, I could you know I mean I found out I mean I forget how, I think we went to visit him once and he, he passed away from cancer and I mean that just that was the first initial hit I think I ever had of losing someone or like experiencing that feeling and I remember not really being too uh, distraught. Um, yeah, I think I withdrew I withdrew quite a bit. I mean considering my age, I think I was like thirteen, fourteen when it was and it happened kind of around Christmas time. Um, so it was kind of I just withdrew from it. I think I I went from being I, I understand. I think I didn't do that to losing my innocence because I think I went from playing with toys and, you know, being an imaginary kid and like kind of making my own stories up and stuff to I literally went to the streets. Like I literally moved to St. Catharines and went right to, you know, I mean, bad neighborhood gangs. And like it really changed my life into the point where I literally grew a chip on my shoulder that, that year as soon as my father passed away. Because I remember the change. I remember being a sweet kid to go into after the world kind of thing. You know, I was really in a bad state of mind and that kind of just progressed um right so so when you lost your dad you lived here are you live in canada or you live in yeah i was born in canada my my father my i think my father immigrated here with my mother and my mother we i was born here so i was born in niagara falls area so i grew up there till about grade four no i think it was grade four no grade six i moved to st catherine so grade six was about the time that my father passed away and, yeah. and it was literally, I think it was, a, I think, you know what, I lived in Niagara Falls, he passed away and we moved to St. Catherine. So that's where I went from. A day. And it, I think my mom was trying to do good, but in that sense of changing my environment immediately and her not having the the money to pay the, the rent for the house we were in. So we moved to subsidizing housing in, the, in St. Catherine's, which was Northtown at the time. Um, she just did the best that she could to put us in, in a home. Um, but unfortunately, the environment that that was located, it was a lot of you know, people with no money and like, you know, a lot of hood Poverty kids and a lot of and, yeah. yeah drugs. And I wasn't used to that. I was, like I said, I was carefree. I, um, I did my best to, to stay positive in those kids. Cause you mean in that day and age, we were, we'd, we'd lived through abuse in the home. So we, my escape was being creative. My escape was kind of making stories of playing with my toys or, you know, kind of just losing myself in these little worlds. So when reality finally hit, like when my father died, it was like, that was my real first sense of, 
uncontrolling. I couldn't control anything. Like it wasn't yeah, my right. story. And I, yeah. and I lost it, right? So I went from that to screw everything. I'm not in control. You know, I'm just going to do what I want. And so that rebellion came out because I wanted to control things. And my, my, my rebellion is what allowed me to be that person because I can go and cause ruckus and destroy and cause fights and win a fight. So in, in my head, I'm in control. And then you have the whole aggression part. I mean, I'm releasing aggression that I've obviously built up from the loss. Yeah. And the abuse and all that kind of stuff that went throughout the household. So I think a lot of it stems through that. And like I said, it stems from into my early 20s. Like, I can't even say that I got out of that lifestyle any time after that because people just kept dying. Like, people just kept going. and People just, you know, things just kept happening. So Yeah. Like, it took me a while to get to a place where I was like, okay, something has to give. Like, you know, like, I have to make a change and I mean between that time I've I mean I think I have like over 15 tattoos and they're all people who passed away um, wow and there's some that I still haven't got like there's still some and you know and it's not all you know it's, it's not like one of those stories where people like the only person who has been shot in my, my family was my brother and I know I don't know many people but a lot of this city what it is is a lot of drug abuse and a lot of uh, people that are looking for escapes that want to have real connections but we live in a world of Facebook where it's easy to contact people but it's impossible to really connect with anybody yeah. Um, so a lot of people, they're losing themselves, and they're you know they don't have the the people in the in the um, you can call a hotline and talk to a stranger, but what we really want is friends. Like we really want our people to call us and show to feel up. Feel connected, yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's and our city is unfortunate for that, right? And I'm sure a lot of cities are like that. But I I grew up seeing it. Um, so the ODs were huge. I lost a really good friend to an OD, which was Tony. He was an amazing guy. He was the kind of guy who would wake up every single day and uh, and just help everybody. Like he would, he was just a really good guy, but Fortunately, was socially awkward, I guess, in a sense. And he just, you know, that that drug just fuels this sense of wanting to fit in and wanting to be. And I mean, I've watched a lot of people go like that. Like, and it's it's a sad thing to see because as somebody who has who's still here and somebody who's like who's been living through it, it's and I'm still like, you know, not I haven't given into that kind of how do I say it? like mentality or like you know that escape. Yeah, I haven't, and I'm still fighting because you know I have my own issues as well. Yeah, we all do. Hard, hard but I think I, I wanted to know really because, like, I think when we lose people from tragedy versus we lose them for, you know, like from drug abuse or, like, overdoses, I think there's a different – you seem to have a really compassionate kind of stance on that. You know what I mean? Like, people are really searching for connection or they're just – that's how they're coping. And I think a lot of people have the, an alternate view. Like, they feel like when people – die of, you know, d- drug overdose, they really blame the person rather than really having yeah, compassion they, for, yeah. like, what they're going through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like they think it's a selfish movement as opposed to, it's almost like when people say, oh, someone who's suicided, that was selfish to them. Whereas I look at it like it's selfish of us. Like, we're supposed to be here for each other. And, I mean, it's unfortunate that we have to have people that in a room full of friends, they have to feel alone. I mean, I'm not compassionate because I'm... I'm compassionate because I understand. Like, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I'm compassionate because I know what it's like to want somebody. So as opposed to taking my own life and losing this kind of thought, I think I'm going to be that that person. I'm going to be that person for them. I'm going to try and help my friends. So as opposed to dimming my own light, I just try to to bright someone else. Because it, it helps. It really, really does. Like, you'd be surprised how much just saying, hey, how's your day to somebody can really help someone. And, I mean, it's oh, not. Oh, I know. Yeah, It's, not, it's sure. really effortless. I tell my friends that hate is very weak. You want to be a powerful person. You want to be strong. Learn to love because I don't need to know you to hate you. I don't need to know your religion. I don't need to know your race. I don't need to know anything about you to hate you. I can look at you and be like, ugh, 
But to love you, I got to be courageous. I got to know you. I got to mm-hmm. start a relationship with you. So mm-hmm. if you really want to be brave, then then choose love. Like there's no reason to go out and be hateful and spiteful. It really just no, no, that's right. It contradicts our our um, our need to to connect with each other. Like we're pushing people away as a pulling well, them and, closer. That's right. Do yeah. you think Do you think that going through all this all this loss that you've been through? Because a lot of people go through what what you've been through and they, they turn like bitter. Do you know what I mean? Like they go the opposite way and they I've just been there. like, so how do you think, you know what I mean? Cause it's hard. It's hard to look at. It's easy to be bitter. Like you were just saying, it's easy to hate. And you know what I mean? To be, to go down on like a road of negativity. But I, I think, can you make the connection between all the stuff you've been through trauma wise and losing your loved ones and how it's improved certain relationships in your life? And, and it's obviously made you, a better person and focus on things that really like matter. Do you know what I mean? So there is like some good that comes out of that. I think that um, place. Yeah. Well, here's the way I look at things and I have always have looked and I tell everyone the same thing is I'm not the victim. Like I'm not the one who suffered. I'm not gone. I'm not the one who was shot. I'm not the one who OD'd. I'm not the one who did this. I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, so you are. I'm still, I still have a chance. I still have, I had an obligation to be something for the people who lost. Because even regardless of what my my feeling might be, this wasn't done to me purposely. None of this was done to spite me. And regardless if I might feel, oh, God's doing this or this is happening, if I bring myself to that point, it's an excuse. And it's an excuse to not excel in life. And it's an excuse to, to, to continue to not proceed in, into a positive direction. And, that, and that's what it is. Like, I look, I tell people all the time, like, you know, we don't, I don't believe in our sense of being alive that we kind of hit a, a real rock bottom. I think there's always worse. And I'm a, I, and I am a huge testament to that. It always gets worse. Like, I've never had a year where I don't lose somebody. I don't, I don't go through this once. And, you know, you know, and it, it, and then you have to put on top of that breakups, real life anxieties, like, you know, everything else that goes into yeah. normal life. Yeah. Yeah. So, just normal, normal <laughs> just life normal and then normal day to day stuff. It's heavy enough. Yeah. Like my shampoo socks, you know, like it's just like little, the little things that bug us plus the giant things that bother us, they're all a big package into us, right? So, and I think that a contrast really helped me in life, knowing that there is a huge amount of worse that can happen. So I enjoy the little things and I enjoy the small things because I know that the blessings that come, whether it's just friendship here or, you know, say hello, help somebody, those things are hard to find in, in normal people these days. So oh, I could be better. It makes you so grateful too. Like you just end up being so grateful. And people are like, how are you grateful for like this small thing? But like, you, you know what I mean? It. You're just, you're like, this is amazing. Like just eating food or like just all the, all those little simple things that most people like write off because they're just chasing after these, you know, big aspirations and stuff. And it's like, there's so much joy in all the little stuff. And I think if you've been through a lot of trauma and a lot of hardship, you begin to appreciate all those little things that you might have taken for granted at one point or another in your life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely has taught me quite a bit of who I am for sure. Like, um, I mean, I'm appreciative of all the, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how you can't be either way. Like, I mean, I'm appreciative of everything regardless of what's going to me. But like, and I don't even wish this on anybody. It's unfortunate that I have this kind of knowledge because I've had to learn it through hardship. The hard and way. Yeah, and it's not like I can, like, I mean, a lot of people have this kind of insight and haven't gone through the emotional steps and haven't gone through the, or had the emotional knowledge to do it. I mean, luckily, I've been almost like, um, I, I've been steered that way my whole life. I've been going through this so much that I've built a tolerance almost in a sense of this kind of stuff. Like, I'm not partial to death. When death happens, it happens and it, it hits hard. 
but I understand it now in a concept where what that has taught me is that I'm really not in control. I really, I mean, we spend so much time trying to control things, time, schedules, this, that, people's emotions, relationships, everything. We're always so, but the truth is we're not in control of anything. The truth is the only thing we're in control of is the information we intake and the information we output. The, the, the storage, I like you give me some knowledge, I can store that or I can give it away. Or I can say something foolish or I can say something good. I have that power. That's the only thing I'm really in control of. The rest of it is really up for grabs because people are going to make decisions that are going to go against mine. And, you know, people are going to come out with, with guns and start shooting. People are going to make decisions to do drugs. That's not in my control. So I don't allow myself to, to dim myself. I just give people as much advice as I can based on the knowledge. That I yeah, have. and I think that's a very important point. I think too, the ability to control your emotions, because yes, you can, you can control information that's you know you're absorbing, and and then you know words and thoughts and phrases that you're saying, and you know your outputs and stuff, but also how you feel about that information that's coming in, right? Because I can get a piece of information, I can feel horrible about it, or put down, or whatever, or I can feel inspired exactly. or motivated or whatever like I get to pick that I get to pick how yeah. I feel emotionally every day and that's a conscious decision that I make when I wake up I because there's yeah. always going to be things that we can focus on that aren't good like I can look at anything in my life and say that sucked you know what I mean and I can look at other things and say that was amazing that inspired me and so it's about choices and having that power it's like that's so inspiring despite you know you? chaos um, what helps is to be able to um, to come into any kind of situation with already, and this is hard. Self confidence is huge, and that's what I'm, a lot of people are very insecure, and a lot of hate comes from insecurity. It's easier to put yeah. someone down than build them up. If you can if you can put someone down, that means they come down to your level as opposed to like I said, taking the courageous route and building them up and, and getting to a, a new level together. And unfortunately, a lot of people come into social relationships or intimate relationships in a state of. I need somebody to fulfill me as opposed to already feeling fulfilled. Because if you can go into something already feeling that, no one can tell you anything about yourself. You can't tell me nothing about me. I know who I am. But when mm-hmm. you walk into a relationship unfulfilled, your insecurities are there. So someone gives you like, oh, you don't look good in that. You're all like, oh, you know, you get very tight about it because you're, you're scared. You're like, why, you know, why, why does this person think that? So and if you know who imp- you are, you're like, yes, yeah, so. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just- like, get out of here. Right. And you, you see relationships like that all the time. If you're watching, you know, people like, you know, they're, they're being picked on like you know abusive relationships are, that's a prime example i mean anybody who preys on somebody who's weak and, and breaks them down consistently and tells them oh you're not this you're not that and they believe it because they're not in a place of security where they should be believing in themselves and the other person is in a place of power because they can put you down it's a you know common uh, occurrence all the time and unfortunately a lot of the women have to learn to break out of this grow out of their shell and become these independent powerful women but then they're jaded and it's a lot of that kind of stuff in, in the middle of it where there should be a common area where people could just really talk and express themselves and not have this this insecurity of, of each other power seems to be a very big control of that and i think i learned that too. and i think that really taught me to go through through those motions and be able to be more open to to not trying to control people especially your things you know like i can't so i kind of just accept people for who they are and if i don't like them i move on you know like i think i I think that's the key that's the key is like seeing others as like they're struggling you know people are you know i think we all walk around like you know we're all confident we all got our guards up and it's not always the case most of the time it's not it's most of the time there's always something that people are kind of carrying with them some sort of chip on their shoulder and I think understanding that, hey, you know, that person is struggling, even though they may be spewing hate at me, or, you know, even though they're, they're I don't know, Instagram comments or, or hate-filled or whatever it is, you know, we live in a society where there's lots of that going on. 
but deep down inside they're just it just seems like they're struggling mm-hmm. yeah, you can see that in, in a lot of people like i mean i try not to not to judge people i mean i'm, I'm a culprit of just anyone else I'm a human being you know like we all get to our points where we make stereotypical remarks or we or we make uh, assumptions and uh yeah. But I mean, I try my best to to look at people and view them as an individual. I mean, we group people so much together that we kind of lose that emotion of being able to know that you are, you're an individual, you feel things differently. Your bad hair day could be just as equally emotionally to me losing someone because you haven't felt that emotional level yet. And that's Right, right. It has, to, it has to do where those attachments are, are before. And I always say that to people, like, you can't tell them how, how much, because one person's suffering is another person's, you know what I mean? They're cool with that or vice versa or whatever it is. So people take to different experiences in very different ways. And we don't really get to pick how they interpret those experiences because it, I mean you hit the nail on the head by saying somebody could like freak out over a bad hair day because that emotionally that's where they're you know attached and then other people um, would have an, an equal response to something far more traumatic than that yeah and it's important to have emotional intelligence it's important to understand yourself emotionally and it's not just so understand important. the emotional yourself like you know and really looking into yourself not look at, at, you know, scientific or in the book or this is emotional or this is, a, you know, forget all the chemicals. Look at yourself and where you're in depth at. Where, do you, where does your hate lie? Where does your love lie? Where does your priorities of this lie? What are your looks on love? Really like yourself. Like really get to know you. Because at, at the end of the day, if anything that's going to teach you is that there is no redo. This is it. This is the only chance you get. You will have no chance after this. There's only one of you that ever will exist again. You I mean, your only choice is to maybe have a kid and have someone who's in like of you, but never you. So don't waste this time. Like, don't don't get torn up because someone else lost their time. Let that be a reminder that there is a time limit to this and there is everything. And wake up and don't impress everyone. Impress yourself, you know. Get out there and really walk into a room and know that you are impressed by who you are. And forget what everyone mm-hmm. else is because it's a, it's a waste of time and it really, really stunts your growth as a human being. And, and it, it's unfortunate to see so many people because you can give that information to someone and again, they'll choose not to use it. They'll choose not to, to take that because that's what they're in control of. Because it's easier to not work yeah. for, for you. Are. It's easier to say, oh, no, I don't want to. And that's all right because that's not in my control. I can give you this information. You choose to make something yourself. And at the end of the day, I'm going up. Like, you know, I, I guess yeah, there's, no, yeah. there's no rock bottom. You fall on ledges and you choose to either roll over or, or climb. And mm-hmm. that's what it is. What was it like uh, when you found out that your brother was murdered? It was... I was at work, so it was actually, um, to be honest, it was today's the anniversary, the second year anniversary. Two years. Oh, wow. So today, like, you know, it was just a coincidence you guys put um, the interview for today, and I I mean, I purposely didn't say anything because I figured it would give me a good outlet today. I mean, I try to turn every, I guess, negative into a positive in a sense, so I figured, hey, this is an outlet for me to speak to people on a day that it happened. This was about the exact same time I got the call. So I was at work and I got the call and it was a friend going, hey, man, like your brother just got shot. And and you know what? I didn't, it didn't immediately go to my brother's dad. Like I didn't immediately, my mind didn't go to, hey, your brother's dead. But I remember just, you know, my all my street sense came off. I freaked out. I lost my mind. I was just, you know, hyperventilating. I fell to the ground. I, I did what, you know, anybody would do in a situation so, so painful. Yeah. Um, and at that moment, I was going through something emotionally with the breakup that I had gone through. And I was, you know, on anxiety pills and depression pills. And I thought I was the worst thing in the world. And then this news came. Everything that I ever knew went out the window. Everything I knew about pain, everything I knew about loss, everything I ever knew was just gone. It didn't exist. I didn't know pain. I was woken up to what pain really feels like, to what loss really is. 
because I got that call and I was just like, oh my God. And unfortunately, because he was in Calgary, they weren't giving us any information. They didn't want to tell us over the phone because they had no proof of who we were. So I'm getting details from this person. Now, now I'm reading the newspaper. Now my, my mom talks. And by this time, my friend had picked me up and taken me to where my mom was. Everyone's there, you know. And I'm, you know, I'm in the room, you know, I'm sad, you know, but I have this thing about me because when you're a pillar in, in, in a house, you, want, you don't want to fall because the whole house will fall. Yeah. So it was me in this room of, of knowing, oh my God, like my brother's fucking shot. And like, like what am I going to do? Like, and I'm looking at my mom, I'm looking at everyone like, oh Lord, like, you know, cause this, we don't know what he, what he, if he's, where he's shot, what's going on. I call my buddy Alden Paradise and I'm talking to him. And I'm like, Alden, what's going on? And he, he apologizes to me. And I don't know why he's apologizing. Cause I'm like, there's nothing like me, like, just tell me what's going on. And he tells me, you know, I did everything I could. And at that moment I knew, right. As soon as he told me that I knew, I knew it in my heart that my brother had passed away and I still didn't believe it. I knew there was a chance because there was a, there was two stories in the paper going at the same time in Calgary. Two men were shot in two different locations, no disclosure of the location, both in critical condition in the hospital. So I'm looking at this, reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, kind of, and I'm looking at the updates. And I remember, I remember the, the moment exactly, I don't remember what time it was, but I remember like it, it was the worst feeling of my life and the worst. I've never felt anything like this. Like when I swiped that screen and it just came up, man dies in a hospital today. And I, I didn't have to read anything. I didn't have to, I didn't have to look at the address. I knew. Like I just, my heart just broke. And I looked at my mom and I didn't even say nothing to her. She, she just screamed so loud. And it was, and it still echoes in my head. Like it was just an intense feeling of, of pain. Like it was just, I, I've never felt that. And I never wish it anybody. I tell people all the time that I never want you to feel like I felt that day because broke my heart and, and I had to renew myself. I fell into a hole that I just, I had to climb out of, of addiction. I fell into addiction. I fell into alcoholism. I fell into coke addiction. I fell into a, a series of events. My life went upside down and and I remember, you know, everyone started the petition. I went blank. I, I just started drinking really. Like my sister, my thank God for my sister Myra because she was an amazing person at the time. And my mom, you know, was going through, she was, she was, she really wanted to be involved. But my sister really just took hold of everything and got everything together, the GoFundMe account, because we had to, we had to fly it back. So we just, we, everyone band together. It was, it was an amazing scene to see how many people got together to, to get my brother home. And it was crazy. And so fast too. Like, yeah, it was, it was something like, I don't know if I, I could ever repay to everybody because, to be able to go see my brother, just, you know, to go visit him is, is, is a great thing, you know, and I really owe people a debt of gratitude for that, you know, as much as I, I can't repay it in, in money, I repay. And I guess that's another reason I'm, I'm kind to people, because people were kind to me at a time of my need, at a time where I didn't have anybody. I had a, a friend, Holly, at the time, who was there with me from the beginning. Actually, I, I had taken her on a date the night before, and she found out the next day, I found out the next day my passed, and she stayed with me the whole time. I mean, that's just, you know, some people just kind of reach out from the bottom of my heart, even not knowing me, she still stuck around and, and, you know, gave me that emotional support I needed in that moment. And, you know, I'm very grateful to people like that. And, you I mean, I, I pass that on to other people because I can't allow myself to be murdered as well. I can't allow who I am to be dead. I can't allow who my brother was to pass away within me. I have an obligation as a man to to live in his spirit and live who he was and he was a strong person he didn't deserve what he got and he he stood for a lot of, of strength and that's 
I guess it took a while to get there. It took a lot of addiction. It took a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol for me to get over well, my my grieving point. And you know, it's not like I'm like um, it was like you know, this this recently. Like I've been I've been I think good for like maybe the last four or five months. Like it hasn't been something that I've been really that good on. I've been going through a process, and I think and that's life, right? It is a process. And then it, on top it, of yes, that, yes, it is. And I don't think anybody. Anybody that has any ex- expectations, you know, like that grief or going, sorry, I'm emotional. I think I think you said it earlier. I think you said it earlier that, you know, the changes that you had, the change in thinking of conquering that fear and you changed your attitude where you're now taking in information and learning new things. And you're positive, you know. Now it's you're you're looking at helping people and bringing people up instead of pushing people down. That seems like it comes from something like this, like this type of an event. Um, I'm sorry for your brother's loss. I mean, it, it's you know, it, it's it is a tragedy and is a sad situation. Um, but you know, in terms of I, if he's looking down, he can see that. Hey, the changes he was able to see in his brother's life. I know. I was just thinking that. I was like, oh, God, he's, like, so, he must be so, I know he is so proud of you and, like, all the work you're got, doing and stuff. I got a I long way brought, to go. Yeah, we all yeah. do, and that's cool, too. But, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, what I was going to say before, too, is it is a process, and I think anybody that has unrealistic expectations about it just flipping a coin and being back to, it's never going to be that we have to adapt and incorporate this new experience into our lives and, you know, move forward. Anytime we go through any radical change like that, and I know you guys were so close, and I know if there's anything that... Yeah, but he was my Lego buddy. Like, that was my dude, you know, like, <laughs> like, we, like we've been playing together. Like, it's a, it, it hurts my, like, you know, even just the realization that I'll be, I'll, I'll live him in, in a couple weeks. You know, it's like, crazy. And you know what, when I met you two, or whatever, I was, I was, 14, 15 years old, and the very first thing I remember about you two, we used to always hang out behind the Jebel video there, (laughs) and um, you guys were attached at the hip. You guys would be, you know, and... And that's the scary thing, right? He took care of me, and, you know, here I am now, I'm the the oldest brother. It's it's terrifying because I don't think that in the time that I was given, I amounted to something... Um, that I should have, but I think emotionally, I think I'm put here because emotionally, I think I've made it to a place where I can prepare my brothers and sisters for what the emotional world's going to bring for them because it is going to get hard. And you can get by and get all the money in the world, but emotionally, if you're not prepared to take what life has you, you're going to crumble. And I've I've been there countless amounts of times and over and over again. Like even after my brother died, I lost my dog. So my, my, my one of my great friends was an amazing person. Um, and you know, it it doesn't stop. And if you're not prepared for that, if you don't tell yourself, if you live in a world where you actually believe that things can't get worse, then the only thing you can do is counteract it by being better. I mean, it's just how you can do it. I mean, I'm not done. And that's just how it is. They took my brother, but they didn't take me. So. Yeah, and you have the maturity to be open to talk about it. You know, you have the maturity Which I think to... is huge because a lot of people can't even go there. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and I understand that too, but like, you know, even like we talk to people and they're like, just very brush over the surface. They don't go into the depth and stuff that you have. And like, just being really real about it. Because I think too, like, 
if you're just talking about it and you kind of brush over it and a lot of people that have all those feelings that you just described and all that different stuff and they're going through that alone and they don't they don't understand that so many other people have all that you know all those ups and downs and and going through all those struggles and that you know coping in in unhealthy ways like to own that and say you know like i probably drank too much to try and get oh, through oh i this. know i did <laughs> you know what i mean but like to be real about that it's like well, you have to be i mean exactly you got to stop lying to yourself at the end of the day you know yes. you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself okay i'm having a problem here you know what? AP came to me, and it was apparent to me after New Year's. Like, I had been drinking and doing coke for a while before that, and it was really, oh, I don't got a problem, I don't got a problem, because I was in denial. And I don't think I was in denial that I was an alcoholic. I was in denial that I was depressed. So the alcoholism, I already knew that since I was a kid. Like, I was drinking since I was 15. I mean, I was a street boy. So I knew that problem. I knew I was right. and I understood that, but that wasn't an issue to me because it wasn't an issue at the time. Right. Because it was fun. Once it became a coping mechanism, once it stopped being fun and started being a necessity to forget and numb myself, it's when yeah, it started realizing yeah. this problem. Now, I, now I can, you're working with something else. Yeah, I can count the amount of relationships I lost through alcohol and drugs. I could not, I could yeah. honestly say that a lot of my relationships were lost due to my alcoholism and my. And it's funny because it's always an excuse. Oh, my father left me, or oh, my father passed away. Oh, my friend. It's, it's always an excuse. It, it never stops. And well, there's the, always there's always going to be a reason to. To, like a birthday. you know, abuse those things. And I think too, like I'm, I'm, you know, the same with you. Like I've been through my own, my own stuff and I've lost so many friendships through like for that same exact reason. And then like getting clean and like, Hey, I really want to get my life together and whatever. And then, you know, certain people don't want to jive with you anymore because you're not doing the same stuff. Like th- there's a lot of other stuff that's tied into, into all that. And like, it's more than just, using and coping in un- unhealthy ways it's you know what i mean there's a bigger story to all that and so many it's not easy it's not easy yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes i'm sorry go on. Yo, i was just gonna say sometimes we're in these like groups or communities and they're all the same doesn't matter where which kind of group or community but you get used to it you get used to how it's organized how the mechanisms are how the behaviors are and it's hard for us as individuals to see that there's something else that can be done. There's a, we can change this, or we can we can alter this group a little bit, you know. And I think that's yeah. what you're you're starting to do right now. I think you're starting to do that. Uh, coming on this podcast, you know, I could I could tell I could tell you you've been speaking a certain way, seeing things a certain way, and, and that that's amazing to see because you will be that you know, agent of change, if you will, in your community, in in the area that you belong to, where people will see a different Manolo and they'll be like, oh, you know, Manolo's a little different. You know, before he would say this, now he's saying this. And that starts that starts everybody to rethink what they're doing. For sure it does. For sure it it's does. And then, it's, uh, I'm sorry. And then also being that for your family too, like you mentioned, preparing them emotionally for for the hardships of life and, you know, to be strong in, in knowing who they are and how powerful they are and how powerful love is too in connecting us and... Well, it's so much it's so much more powerful, right? And I mean, it really is about, like I said again, knowing yourself and kind of going into that. It's it's hard uh, it's hard not to to go through it and not know that there is consequences as well. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people are going to look at you like, oh, people don't change. You can't change. And it, it annoys me in a sense because those are the same people that want to change the world. If you don't believe in the exact same thing you're preaching, it's important. You want to change I know, the world. I know. I know. That's right. You know, it, it's it's like okay, stop. And you're not even you know, buying what you're trying to sell. So I don't know right. how anybody else is going oh, like, to do that. 
how could Manuel be a nice guy now? He was such a, a dirtbag when he was a kid, or he was uh, in gangs, or he was a potter, or he was this. How can he change? It's like, but you want the world to change, but you don't expect people can change because the only way the world's going to change is if people change. And it's if people change their hearts and if people start doing different things. That is the only way we're going to change the world. And if, well, you and like, to way to be change. optimistic, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you just like, damn, I don't yeah. even. I don't know. <laughs> sheep, it's, it's, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing. And, and sometimes you meet people like that. Look, along the way, you're going to see that. You're going to see it a lot more clear. And eventually, you know, some of those people will unfortunately fall by the wayside. But you'll be okay with that because, you know, you won't need that anymore. That's right. Yeah, people weed themselves out. It's great for me, actually. It's yeah, it's like I'm, I'm, total, I'm with you on that. They, I'm happy. They, you don't even got to work so hard. No, not anymore. It's great. It's even like any relationship. Like I'd rather you're like a jerk at the beginning. So it's like, oh, thank God I don't like you. Because who wants to wait four months and sit me someone and secretly resent them? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, I gotta hate you. Why is your toothbrush here? Like it's just annoying, right? So it's like I do that with anybody. I I kind of have that same kind of mentality. It's like, hey, man, if you're a jerk, I'll know. And goodbye. Like I don't stick around too much for people that are useless to my environment. I surround people that are gonna help me in a healthy growth. Because I need, I because I'm I'm just as human as anyone else. I do have a lot to teach, but I have a huge amount to learn. So yeah. I put myself around people that that can use me in a sense emotionally, and I can use them in a sense. And that's what we are. We are we're traders by nature. You know, we we've been trading spices and furs our whole life. So what's the difference between trading knowledge? I mean, what's that's the difference right. between between sitting here with each other and you had a bad experience, had a bad experience? And I think a lot of people say misery loves company, but I think love loves a partner. Um, and that's just what it is. I don't need, I'm not looking for company. I'm looking for people to ride with. I'm looking for people to be beside me and really like build me up and help me. And the same vice versa, I could offer the same courtesy to you. Um, yeah, and if, I'm, and if, I'm with you on that. <laughs> unfortunately, you know <laughs> what? A lot, of the, a lot of the things that I've been through too, and you got to understand too, because even after my brother died, a lot of the negativity I had still spewed on some more because when my dogs died, a lot of the reason they were aggressive and, and mad was because of my my alcoholism and me being neglectful in a sense. Like, yeah, I was walking them and doing anything on owner, but I wasn't giving them the love. And animals are just as much, you mean, emotional as we are. You know, if anything, they're more emotional because that's all they have. They can't talk. They're just like, dude, I love you. I'm going to lick your hand, you know? So to me, being that person set off to my dogs and my dogs ended up attacking my roommate one day because they were so in a sense of, of how do I say, like distressed because they could yeah, feel me anxious. crying every day. Yeah, I'm crying every day in my bed. I'm I'm freaking out, you know. I'm I'm talking to myself for hours on end with bottles in my hand because I'm upset and talking to a picture. I'm I'm losing my mind. Not to mention that my roommate is going through his own his own personal battle, so he's going through uh, an anxiety field. So we created an environment of pure anxiety for these animals. Um, and unfortunately, it took the wrong turn. They were already aggressive towards each other. I I kept them separated. Uh, one of them turned on my roommate and attacked my roommate. And um, who was an amazing guy? His name was Jay Wall. And he was an amazing human being. And, you know, unfortunately, that, that went on. And my only, my only move at that moment when I saw, when the dog attacked him, was I had the dog separated, was to open the door and let my other dog go. Because I didn't want my dog to kill him. So I made the decision to sacrifice my other dog. And you know what? I blame myself for that. Because, because of my inability to to catch myself, my inability to realize that what I'm doing is affecting other people, not just me, my dogs, my environment, the negativity that I'm creating is creating negativity in my space. All you want to know what's so crazy to me is that you can even, that you even make that reflection because a lot of people too, it's really easy to blame somebody else 
Do you know what I mean? But for you to take accountability and like to even have that degree of awareness, it's mind blo- It's like it's mind boggling to me because it's like it, it took it, it took a few weeks to go because I remember when it first happened, I blamed him. Like I blamed my roommate. I was like, oh, because of your addiction, because you're, and I was upset with him, right? And I and here's another. You mean you learn lessons really hard, and you got to understand this too because I learn hard. I don't learn easy ever. I didn't. St- I stopped talking to him. I was like, I'm not talking to you anymore, man. I'm pissed off at you. I had my, both my dogs were put down that night. It happened two days before the anniversary of my brother's death. So my dogs died two days ago, um, at the anniversary of a year for them. Okay. So it happened two days before my brother. So I'm already numb from what's going on with my brother. I'm already in this state of mind of anxiety and for loss. Sure. Because I, I know the day's coming and now both of my best friends are dead. Now my two dogs are gone and I've had them since they were puppies. And so I'm now going through this and I'm telling you the house looked like a massacre. There was blood absolutely everywhere. They fought for an hour. It was the worst thing I'd ever seen. Oh, I, cleaned it. I had to clean it all up. And they mm-hmm. took my dogs away with, with the vets. Like, they put them down. And then I stopped talking to my friend. I'm like, okay, I'm not talking to you. And he kept messaging me because I was going through things with my brother. I just still didn't. And honestly, I was just tired of helping him. I was going through, you know, going through my own struggle. I'm like, I'm tired of helping you. You know, you don't listen. And, you know, his parents had helped him. He was going through a lot. I, I still, I know, and honestly, maybe it's just my heart, but I still blame myself for not being there for him still. Because we even, I even took him on a trip to Guatemala to help him because I loved him. I thought he was an amazing human being, and I thought he had a great light in him. Unfortunately, we all have our own demons, and unfortunately, that happened. And you know what? Mm-hmm. A couple. Of, I was going to message him one day. I didn't. I got the message the next day. You're, you're, yo, he passed away. And he, he, had, he had had an overdose. My heart broke because I didn't even get to really talk to him to tell him that it wasn't really his fault that I'm sorry that I, you know, like I'm, I'm apologized for, for my stupidity of not being able to be uh, mature enough to understand that all these things that I'm doing are just hurting myself, that all this alcoholism, all this drug abuse and all this is just killing me. And it's not doing any good for anyone around me because if I was able to come into that situation, a stronger person, if I was able to have got him, maybe I could have taught him a little bit more. I'm not going to say that I, I was, uh, my ability to save people is, is always there, but I mean, it could have been a little bit more if I would have put more effort on myself. But that's circumstances, right? I'm not here to save anyone in the end of the day. Um, and it happened. And, you know, that taught me again more. That, that made me, because even then, in, you know, you go back into a rut. Now he dies. Do you think I stopped doing alcohol? Do you think I would have stopped doing drugs? No, of course not. Because now I have another friggin' excuse to tell everyone my life sucks. Now both my dogs are dead. And now my best friend is dead. Okay, let's go back into the same cycle because Manuel's got to, sorry, Manuel, I got I to gotta sit here and now be sad again. And I lost a relationship with that. A very nice woman that I was with who was an amazing person who helped me out a lot through all that. She, it, she like, you know, in again, another, uh, you know, you go through this cycle. Lost, lost, lost. But what's the repetition there? My inability to stop being negative. My inability to stop looking at everything as it's something against me. Because it's not. If people are there to love me, people have been here to help me. And I just haven't seen it that way. I, I, take, I took advantage of the things in, that, that were positioned there to be positive. And now I'm not. Now I'm looking at things in a way of, I appreciate people, even if they're only there for a short amount of time. I appreciate the time that people take out of their day to, to yeah. greet me, to say hello, to smile, because yeah. those things count. I went on a date the other day, and this girl put out little candies and stuff on the table, and I thought it was the most nice thing anyone's ever done, because, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yo, you're, you're so kind, you know, like, I appreciate that, and those are the little things that really do count. I mean, yeah. those small things, the humans, those little things that connect us and make us human, sharing, I love when I see kids sharing, because that small little thing that you do and no one taught you. <laughs> like, you know, like little kids just like here. And you're like, you know how easy that is and how hard it is for adults to get that concept. 
like we fight over lands and stuff. It's just the concept is so, I don't know, it, it escapes me. So I just, kids are, are great for that. You kind of get back to how this kind of view one thing. Wow. Uh, well, I um I don't know if I, um if you listened to the episode two episodes ago in episode 16 or whatever, but I had a, a dream of your brother like two weeks ago and it was a pot. It was a beautiful dream. It was a positive dream. And that was the first time I dreamt of him. It was very strange, but he was smiling so big in the dream. <laughs> and I encourage you to go back and listen to the episode. Cause I talked about it in episode 16. I didn't mention his name. I just said, you know, somebody or whatever, but it was him. It was him that I was talking about. Always in the dream. mention his name. Mention your name, keep him alive. Never stop mentioning his name. Always talk about him in any situation. Well, I'm mentioning his name now, and so it was about it was about Jamie, and um, we you never go back said and it. Edit we, it. We never said. <laughs> go back and edit it. You could do that, Sean, if you, with your magic touch, if you want to. I you just um, hear him say, Jamie or Alana. <laughs> just throw it in there. It'll be great. It'll be great. Um, so. But he was no like words were exchanged, but. I ran down, and it was really weird because I hadn't, I hadn't seen your brother in a while, and then I, I connected with him in Calgary because I, I lived in Calgary, and he lived in Calgary as well, and we ended up connecting when he was there. And then the, the last time I talked to him was on the 10th of February, two years ago, so it would have been 12 days before he passed. And um, we had a brief conversation, you know, just, hi, how are you doing, and, and whatever, and um, so I hadn't dreamt of him or, or anything and, you know, obviously thinking about him from time to time and you and your family and, and, and all that, but he was smiling so big in the dream and I just had this general feeling like he's, he's all right. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, well, I'll, uh, I'll that was the feeling. And so my question to you is, have you had any, any other dreams other than the one that you posted? Yeah. So the, the first dream I ever had of him. Okay, so the other dreams that have occurred after that, before I tell you the first dream, the reason I think I've had bad dreams is because I realize he's dead, and I'm a very conscious dreamer. I dream almost in the same place all the time. Like, it's like a little town, I call it, because I can map it out in my head. So I'm a very, very conscious dreamer. I can almost control a lot of my dreams. So when I see him now, I know he's passed away, and I tell him, you're, you're not here. And then it all goes to crap, because <laughs> my self-conscious kind of breaks it down, like he's dead, and then that image comes in, and then... I try to resuscitate him most of the time, but the okay. first dream, the so, first so dream. So that I had was the dream that you posted on this on the on on the website was that you were giving him CPR and you couldn't revive him. Well, we were talking on the couch. He came and we were having a conversation about, and we were playing video games. I remember being very excited to be playing with him. Like I sitting there, like yeah, like you know, it's, you know, it, it wasn't like I had come. Like I was like, oh, Jay, you know, we're sitting there, we're having fun and chuckling. And I looked at him, and I really looked at him, and I was like, you're you're dead, man. And when I I said that he kind of looked at me and his eyes kind of went pale back and he fell into the couch and started gasping for air. And I jumped on him and it was just like, like, no, like almost like I felt guilty. Like, no, I didn't mean it like leave, but I was, just, I remember feeling his breath. I remember feeling the stubble of his hair on his chin against me when I was pushing on his chest. Like it was a very intense, scary dream. And I think I was, I, there was blood coming out like from the, from, from what I supposed to be a gunshot wounds. I don't know. It was a very intense dream. It was something that I, that's why I lo- I searched for something, and I found the grief tears when I when I spoke about it, and you gave me the connection because I needed to under I know I understand myself in a, in a sense that emotion where I could make the connection of why I went there, but I wanted to understand a little bit more into depth, and that's why I wanted to see if other people have dreams like this and and what it really means, right? Because I'd like to to be a little bit knowledgeable on what it is that I'm going through because it it makes things easier. 
just for myself. And you know what? I, I, I do sum that up to my conscious knowing that, it, that I kind of accepted that he has passed away. And my okay. dreams now, and they've, they've come subtle now. They're not, they're never like that anymore because I tend not to say, you know, you passed away. I just kind of enjoy my time with Jamie while he's there. But the first dream I ever had of Jamie was after he passed away, not too long after the funeral. I was, I was walking through a marketplace where I could only assume it's probably like Guatemala in my subconscious. And I remember walking through there and, and I'm just looking around, you know, in this little town and I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn around my brother. And same thing, he looks younger. He looks like the North Town Jamie, like the one you do. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, so very, very happy. He was wearing a jersey and shorts and he was playing basketball and he had his mushroom cut and he had a smile on his face. He's like, he's like, <laughs> and he's just looking at me and he's like, yo, I'm good, man. He's like, I'm good. And I was like, James, and I started crying, you know. He's like, I'm good, but no, he's like, I'm, I'm all right. He's like, and and I just, and I just woke up crying. I was just like, that was the first, first dream I had of him ever in a sense where he spoke to me in a direct fashion, where it was, where I could, I could believe it was him. Whether I believe it, because you know, you have that, that separate of is it self, is it God, is it my subconscious, is it what is it, you know? But yes. I like to believe it's him because it was such a, a feeling of. Oh my God, you know, and, and I felt it, you know, that's my brother, you know, your brother, right? He, and that, that tap on the shoulder, you know, that turnaround and that smile. And it's almost like he was golden, shiny. Like I just saw him there and I was like, Oh man, like I miss you so much. Like it just, yeah. Yeah. And it just, yeah. You know, and, and that, that kind of just put me off. I haven't had, I guess, recent season. If I had, we were just kind of hanging out. Like it was like he was yeah. there, but it wasn't yeah. a direct, like I acknowledged. But not like so profound like that, like that exactly. first one. Almost like and a protector. Yeah, like, and you know what? Like, and people always say that exact same thing that you say. Like, I don't know if it was him, if it was God, or or whatever. But like, I know my brother, and I know the feeling. And it, like, this comes up so much. And, and and we always tell people like, whatever you believe it to be, is like that's what we're sticking with. Like, we don't challenge yeah. any of that because it's like. You know, we don't know what you need and and what you feel in your heart when you have that dream and how you feel when you wake up. If you feel comforted or, you know what I mean, it help it can help people so much in like moving forward and understanding too that, you know, I may I may be going through a lot of pain here, like in my social experience here, but they're okay. They're okay. It's not like they're. Do you know what I mean? I Struggling and in and in so much pain. Like I believe that. You that. know, and I it's a, I think I don't know if I'm fortunate or fortunate. I don't know if I'm religious or not religious. I grew up in a religious home. Um so I do have that God aspect of me where I have been taught religion. Um yeah. and that heaven and hell concept is obviously a huge a huge debate that we'll never get into because I don't argue that point with anyone because people have their beliefs. Yeah. Um but I, I don't tr- I tend not to I've never really drifted to that I think maybe once or twice I'm like, Oh, did he go to heaven or hell? I just see my brother's gone. Where yeah, he is Yeah, yeah, yeah is up to whatever the universe has brought. I can't, if I lose my mind trying to understand where he is and not focus on where I am, I'm just going to lose it. And I, and I know. Yeah. It. So whether yeah. he's in pain or, or in happiness, I just know he's not here. I, I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't put thought to it. I don't, and it's not that I don't care, I guess. I just, it doesn't no, affect me as much as the aspect of the loss. Like, you know, like. That yes, aspect. absolutely. And I think it's, it's, it's totally fair. But I think when you're talking about the dream and, and he's looking at you like, you know, I'm good, and, you know, you yeah, have totally. that feeling, like, without so many words. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I don't th- I don't think debating it until you're blue in the face is really important. I think... Yeah, um, irrelevant, really. Yeah, whatever yeah. whatever you need to do, and, and however you you move forward, then 
that's the right thing for you. Yeah, and I think we all cope with it because, like, I think the the dime, like a lot of people, like you know, when I was growing up, people tell you you find a dime is you know just peace giving it to you. Now I find dimes all the time, you know, and and you just want to tell yourself, you just want to tell yourself that's you know that's that's my brother, uh, or that's my friend, or that's this guy. If you find two dimes, you know, you we find coping mechanisms and we find any way that we can to be comforted. And if that's the, what works for us, that's what works. As long I, as I am totally with forward. you on that because I hear that all the time too. And I, I never say, oh, there's no way that that's your grandfather or there's no, like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't get to pick what, what works for you. If it's making you feel good and it's helping you move forward, then you believe whatever it is that you need to believe. You know what I mean? I'm not in a position to convince anybody of anything. Otherwise it's not my job. Yes. It's not. And I mean, I don't think it is our job to, to enforce our, opinions on everyone and I, I mean like and that's the thing with me I give an open opinion to everybody I never try to be convict like conviction with my opinion where I'm trying to convince you of what I'm saying no. I give you information and that's and like me I mean that to everybody though like I don't I don't talk to people where I'm like well da, 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 I do I tell I'll tell you this because this is true and science I'm like this is my opinion take it or leave it and take the information or leave it and I don't really care what you do with it just take it for what it is but respect it and yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll do the same for you, right? And I, and that's just how I am with people all the time. And I think it works pretty well. I mean, you meet some people along the way that you're just like, ah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll never uh, get rid of people who have uh, adverse opinions or or very solid, cemented <laughs> opinions, right? right? Everybody has the way that they, like you said, that they cope. And honestly, the way I see it is, is a lot of people they they remember the the loved one who's passed and they're honoring them, you know, by thinking of your brother, you know, some people might think, oh, you know, you need to get over this or you shouldn't really think those things are going to make you sadder. The way I see it is it's honoring them, but by remembering the good things and the memories of him, you know, like it's amazing that you can every now and then have a dream where you're playing video games or hanging out. You know, a lot of people don't have that. And so that's pretty cool that you can have that experience with him. Um, we like to have on our show, we like to actually, you know, maybe manifest a dream. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to have that dream. I mean, today is an auspicious day to kind of do that. So is this something that you'd want to put together a dream, maybe where you see him tonight and, and have something special? Technically, what he's asking you is, if you could, if you could have any dream in the world of him, what would that look like to you? What would you guys be doing? Where would you be? Oh, hmm. If I could have any dream, my brother, huh, I don't know. There's so many scenarios. I'd probably just be making music with him, hanging out. I mean, it, I don't think there's one scenario that I could really put together. Um, no, but you know what? I like how your mind went right to that because it's. it's something that you guys did together and you know what i mean it's simple it's really all it would be but the simple things like i say are the things that really mean the most like you don't remember that big trip to aspen you remember eating dinner and the way they laugh that that's right and it's crazy that you say that too because the the guest we had on 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 the show before you she she said you know what i i would want to dream of of my father, us sitting in the field wearing a t-shirt and ripped jeans, just having a chat. And I thought that that's was so cool. cool. And that's why, you know, with that being said, look at the people that are alive and don't waste this time. Go sit in the field with ripped jeans and have a chat. And have a chat. That's right. Yeah. You know, don't, don't waste the time that you have here because you don't have to wait for them to, for them to be gone to do that with people. Anybody, a stranger, you know, um, that's right. it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in the little things that count, uh, 
And my brother, you know, fortunately, I do have more than just dreams. I have my brother's music to make. I have a, I have a good mind on my set. I have a good vocabulary in order to make music for my brother. He left so much music behind for me to continue to make. Um, and now I get to give it to people to collaborate and help. So he's going to continue to live on. And the reality for me is I want to make a legacy of my brother. There's no such thing as getting over this. I don't think that there that this ever gets, you know, you don't get over it. It's just manageable. Like you just learn yeah. how to manage the pain. And so to me, there is, there is this extent of wanting to make a legacy for my brother for his music. And there is a continuance of wanting to um, try to be positive and push forward. I mean, I can't ever say that I know that what's going to happen, but I can tell you that I'm going to positive like move in a positive direction with, with what I'm doing. And, and I, re- I mean, I, I believe in what I say, which is a lot more than a lot of people can say, because I know sometimes people just say things and it's like, I really do believe in the, the stuff I say. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to help people be better because I was there. Like, I'm not talking out of my back and I'm, I'm talking the truth. I've been in ghettos. I've been through stuff. I've seen this bad stuff. I've, I've starved. I've lived on the streets. I've been abused. And I'm here. So don't tell me that it's not possible. Do not tell me that you can't. Tell me that you weren't ready because you can do it. You are ready to do it now. Get up and keep going because I'm still here and I'm still, I'm still strong. And I honestly, at this point, it's got to a point like, what are you going to do to me now? I'm not even scared anymore. Like you took my brother. <laughs> right. What's, you gonna yeah. do? What's, the, what's the world going to do to me now? I'm not even worried. Yeah. Like I'm, everything else is cake now. Everything else is simple. All of it seems like a joke now because I'm like, I can take this world. The world doesn't know what it did. Because now I'm, you set me loose. I'm ready to go. So, you know, I'm going to turn all this into a positive. Make sure my little brother grows up smart. I'm sure I'm make sure he understands how to be, you know, how, how to be polite to a woman, how to be. I'm going to be the older brother that I know I should have been being. And I'm going to continue that. My little sister, I'm going to teach her how, how she should be, you know, acting, how she treat emotionally, that kind of stuff. And they have a lot to learn from them because they're smart little people too. So yeah, there's sure. a lot there's lots to go. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm still here. Amazing. Well, I just feel like this is, just such a powerful episode and um i i just know that you know the people that are that are going to listen to this are going to get a lot out of it and be really inspired by your story and being vulnerable and so raw and and i think it's really amazing so thank you for for you know just coming on and being being real and we really appreciate it i appreciate you guys giving me the platform to be able to to speak to people and if there is anyone out there that that is listening and has gone to this and you know ever feels like in a sense they are alone or they don't understand remember that it's really you're not um there's continuously people like us in this world and i mean it is about becoming emotionally educated look within yourself and really look deep and, and don't be scared of who you are because i think hiding yourself is what really makes this process a lot harder um yeah not believe and it does you know not embracing who you really are your emotions cry if you need to cry you know Scream if you need to scream. The worst thing you can do is hold it all in and pretend it's an instant. Yeah. So, yeah, Great. I mean, I'm, and I'm always here for people. Like, I mean, uh, if anyone ever out there, my name is Manuel Orlana. You can find me on Facebook. I think it's under Manolo. Um, send questions to ask. I'm always here to give people advice, and I'm also ready to take advice. Hey, I was, just I, gonna, I was just going to ask you, would you have an email address in case somebody wanted to email you with some comments or feedback or questions or, or just kind of wanted to chat? Do you have an email address they could they could reach you at? Yeah, it's at manolo at live.ca. So M-A-N-O-L-O at live.ca. And yeah, okay. shoot me a message. Okay. I don't uh, I don't get many emails, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'll be definitely ready to answer. <laughs> okay. and I, but you know, be warned, I am a chatter. <laughs> so, I don't think they noticed that. 
All right. <laughs> I am a chatter. We're gonna, we're, yeah, we're who knew that? Edit, we're going to edit that part out right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, Manolo, thank you so much. Again, you know, we're going to honor um, Jamie's uh, loss, his death, right? And this is the way we do it. And uh, for everybody else listening out there that have had loss like that, you know, we honor them as well. And we really appreciate the conversation, the openness um, to not only, you know, admit your weaknesses that you've had, but also to show us the strengths that you've gained along the way. And, you know, moving forward in the future, it's exciting because, you know, I see a lot of amazing things coming out of you and in, in changing your community as well and, and the people around you and being there for your family. Like, you know, that, that's an incredible thing. With that, uh, we're going to do our little outro uh so please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic if you have facebook you can join the grief dreams facebook group uh check us out on instagram and twitter at grief dreams this podcast can be found on itunes podbean stitcher overcast and many other podcasting platforms and if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast please email us your story and what you would like to share at grief dreams podcast at gmail.com and uh you know i'll let jade do the outro because you know this is uh, i feel like you've had a great moment here with manolo and you go ahead okay so um we just like to end with love and gratitude love to um you know offer support and and appreciation to everybody that listens and then also our love for being able to do this and inspire people and share our stories and and connect with other people it's so important and then gratitude that um we have this opportunity and that um we have wonderful guests like Manolo that are willing to come on and 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 be real and and allow us to to connect as well so love and gratitude to you all and i hope you have a great day and we will catch you in the next episode I have introduced myself, you have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.